September the 13th, 2019, a local news recap. You are listening to the Hello San Pedro podcast. I'm Amanda, your host. Join me as I talk to amazing people within our community, business owners, community activists, local leaders, and people like you and me who love San Pedro. This is a place where we'll share big ideas, discuss hot topics, and spread good vibes. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Hello San Pedro podcast. I'm your host, Amanda Silva. Uh, I wanted to try something a little different this week. Let me know how you guys like it. So I started noticing that um, San Pedro was getting a lot of attention in the mainstream news cycle. So I kind of wanted to shed a little bit more light on these like past few stories that have been getting a lot of attention in the last two weeks. Um, some of them are not great. Um, in fact, actually the first three stories I'm going to go over are just not great. And I, I'm sorry if it brings a little bit of heaviness. Um, I do want the podcast to be positive. I want it to, um, you know, brighten people's day. I want it to enlighten people on the amazing things that we have here in San Pedro, the awesome businesses, the amazing community members. But the other thing I really want this podcast to do is to shed light on really important issues. And that's why I don't, you know, shy away from some of the tougher issues like, um, you know, pride. It was a lot of fun, but it's also controversial. Um, and, um, I don't want to shy away from, you know, mental health and, um, things that are just really important to talk about and things that are affecting real people in our community. So, um, I'm going to go ahead and just, uh, share this clip of the first news story. I'm sure you guys have already heard it before. Um, but let's go ahead and listen to, to it together now. And I want to talk about it. A deadly fall at a popular lookout spot in San Pedro this afternoon. A woman fell 70 feet onto the jagged rocks below at Point Furman. NBC4's Robert Kavasik live right now in San Pedro with some new details about what happened out there. Robert? All right, Colleen, what is missing here behind me? Well, the people who live here will tell you protection. The longtime need, they say, for 24-hour security to keep people and property safe. A spot so pretty, yet so perilous. Second City is a very dangerous place for people to be. Tourists still come here to the ruins of a stretch of homes that sunk into the ocean decades ago. But some San Pedro residents say it's not just for sightseers. We have a lot of gangs that come here at night. There's a lot of drug dealing. There's a lot of prostitution. We have some kind of like emergency response twice a week. First responders arriving today to try and save a woman who, for some reason, fell 70 feet from a cliff to the rocky shoreline below. The scene so very familiar to Noah Plunkett, who was heading down the bluff to go surfing last weekend. I discovered a person that had fallen or jumped off the cliff. Chronicling cliffside tragedies here in recent years include a woman who fell to her death trying to get a better view and the fatal fall of a 21-year-old USC football player. An LAFD helicopter rescuing the woman who fell this afternoon and rushing her to a nearby hospital. But there was nothing anyone could do to save her. And all the money that costs to have 
the Coast Guard, the helicopter, the paramedics, and it's taxpayers' money, and this could all be avoided if there was more concern about Second City. It's got to stop. It's just got off the phone with L.A. City Councilman Joe Buscaino's office for a response. They want to remind our viewers there is absolutely no trespassing to Sunken City and for good reason. It is too dangerous to access and therefore should remain off limits to all. Live tonight here in San Pedro, I'm Robert Kavasik. Chuck. All right, so let's talk about it. First of all, it's incredibly tragic that a woman died um, right here at Sunken City. It's sadly not the first time and it most likely won't be the last unless we make a lot of changes. I have no idea what those changes need to be. Um, one of the residents in the news clip, you know, mentioned um, like nightly patrol, mentioned a lot more like surveillance in the area. Um, I don't know how how realistic all of that is but I don't think that there would be harm in it I think only good can come from that surveillance or the extra patrol that would be here at night because these deaths that um, happen on the our cliffside whether it's the the cliffside of Point Furman Park or if it's a little bit further down in Sunken City there are just way too many these this is happening like way too often um when the resident said the other resident said that he heard emergency response like i mean he says it happens almost twice a week i would have to agree i live in the area and it is not uncommon to hear sirens go by on gaffy or hearing helicopters you know and in the late evening it's just very very common um I want to I want to say that there does need to be some type of change here and I think we need to just examine on what that change might should be. Um I I've been thinking a lot about it because it's just too sad. If you go by Point Furman, you'll see signs that um tell people that encourage people basically not to commit suicide. Point Furman is a very common um, you know, suicide spot, sadly. It's one of our most beautiful parks and it's a place that I love to go with my son and let run around. It's uh, walking distance. It's amazing. It's a really wonderful community park but sadly there is this you know dark side that um that really uh, is something that we we should we should not overlook um and i think that when we hear these kind of stories it's really easy to kind of share on facebook it's really easy to you know say oh too bad and you know um have like a sad reaction to these types of posts on facebook but there has to be more done um i'm curious to know is anybody working on anything i mean is this a top priority for maybe the local neighborhood council is anyone working on getting some type of um, action for uh, some type of response for these kinds of events. 
I really do want to hear from you guys. So if you have any feedback on this, if you have any answers, if you um, find any info on this, please let me know and I can we can further discuss it here on the podcast. Um, so let's go into our next big news story that kind of got a lot of attention, not just here locally, but um, in other communities as well. Go ahead and take a listen. LAPD officers at the Harbor Station in San Pedro are investigating these swastikas. They say at least nine properties were tagged. We're all working class. You know, the last thing you want to do is come home from a 10-hour shift to find your place all messed up. Emil Mohan's house on Grand and 13th Street in San Pedro was used as a canvas to send a hateful message. Please woke me up last night and told me that it was on my house. Having never been vandalized in the 13 years he's lived here, all for nothing. He spent his Monday afternoon painting over two swastikas. I was very upset. Look, they damaged my house. Unfortunately, in this neighborhood, Emil wasn't the only one. In this community, as you can tell, we're, we're very diverse, and we don't have time for that. Community activist Lion Lions showed us pictures of other properties nearby with similar images. Those swastikas, too are now covered in paint. Well, first off, we want to educate our youth and seeing that this doesn't happen. And at the same time, let them know that everyone's welcoming here. Everyone's welcome, except for those who use spray paint to do this type of damage. Behave yourself, that's not nice. <laughs> Mr. Lyons, the community activist, says witnesses reported seeing three men with masks riding around in a gray sedan shortly after the swastikas appeared. Police have yet to confirm if they have any suspects in mind. In San Pedro, I'm Jake Reiner, KCAL 9 News. Ugh. When I heard this news story, I was so annoyed. I think that was the most natural reaction. I wasn't really angry. I wasn't really, you know, infuriated. I was truthfully annoyed. I just thought to myself this is obnoxious i don't know if these were just some punks you know trying to rile up the community but i do know that there are still a lot of racists walking among us and um you know i i know that a lot of people have felt the liberty to come out of the closet with their racism you know in this new political climate that we're in which i do think is a real shame but at the same time, we do have a lot of people who um, still feel these types of ways in our communities, in our communities that are in more liberal areas, um, such as, you know, cities or neighboring cities of Los Angeles. What I would like to say about this is it's incredibly annoying it's obnoxious it's juvenile and i think that the resident that was featured in this um, news story uh, community activist lion lions shout out to you um i don't know this person i've just heard about him through the news cycle here but um he i don't think he could have said it any better which is we're hardworking people and we don't have time for this so um i would like to send a very casual but serious message to people who feel that swastikas have a place in this community uh they don't 
There is no place for swastikas, hatred, and bigotry, and racism in this community. We will not tolerate it, and your stunt was mildly infuriating, but mostly annoying. Uh, To our residents, and especially to anybody who feels that this was a hate crime against them, I want to say you have every right to be angry. You have every right to be mad. Um, This is... This is hatred. This is pure hatred. This is, you know, the swastikas are never, ever okay. Um, And I just want to say that if you're angry about it, you have every right to be angry. I do want to encourage everybody, though, to rise above this nonsense and um, not give it that much power. Because I honestly believe that there are so many good, amazing people in this community um, like Lion Lions and um, other, you know, community activists and just, you know, plain old residents who live here and who love this place. We are not going to let hatred take over this town. Um, And the swastikas were immediately painted over. I'm really happy to see the response in the community toward this. Um, I guess there's going to be some, there was some meetings about this and they're going to look into it more. Uh, Overall, I just had to talk about it and say that was complete BS and we're not going to tolerate hatred in this community. Um, It's really weird to see something like that pop up in your hometown. So I had to address it here. Uh, So let's go into the next news story, which, um, I mean, doesn't really have so much to do with our community, but it does talk about something that I think we forget a lot about. So let's go ahead and just take a listen. Arriving into the port of L.A., a massive haul of cocaine picked up by the U.S. Coast Guard. What's on board weighs well over a ton, roughly 2,800 pounds. 2,800 pounds is a considerable amount of cocaine. When you consider this is pure cocaine, it's uncut in its form. The seizure was made in drug transit zones in the eastern Pacific Ocean during the first ever patrol of this new Coast Guard cutter. Not just the Coast Guard, but multiple nations, multiple agencies within the United States are out there on a daily basis. Uh, working around the clock to stop them and disrupt their flow. These bales of cocaine, some found floating in the open ocean, have an estimated worth of $38.5 million. This find, along with other even larger busts over the past month, is part of the Coast Guard's fight against drug cartels in the eastern Pacific. It makes them react. It, it hampers their supply chains. It makes them try out new, new and different things that then we Um, try to counter as well. The effort won't stop the drug trade from Central and South America, but it's chipping away. We want to prevent it as much as possible, and we want to put the bad guys on their heels. So one of the reasons I wanted to talk about this, um, this news story, was because... It, it is a it is a major news story and it got a lot of attention in the mainstream um, news media, but also because I think it highlights something that we tend to forget as San Pedrins. I mean, we're we feel like this town is our small little hometown where we run into everybody, you know, when we go to uh, the local Target or when we go to, you know, walk, go for a walk in downtown. Um, but one of the things I think we forget is that we are next door I mean, like we are home of one of the 
biggest international ports in the world. And we are pumping the lifeblood of the economy through the American veins. I mean, it is, it's a really fascinating thing to think about. And the other shocking thing about this story is, um, well, I shouldn't say shocks. It kind of just reminds me of how much of a drug trade there is out there in the world and that there are large quantities of you know hard drugs being produced in other countries that are then getting shipped and transported by who knows what means um, but into you know the U.S. economy and it's getting pumped into our our blood I mean Americans are the ones consuming these types of drugs. So it is kind of a a wake up call for me when I hear a story like this, like, holy crap, drugs are, you know, play a huge role here. And um, I mean, 38, over $38 million in cocaine. I mean, that's a ton of cocaine. Um, So I just wanted to highlight that story to kind of just remind everybody that we are here on an international port. Drugs are a real thing. It's still happening. People are overdosing every day. People are addicted to hard drugs and ruining their lives. Um, And it's, I mean, I have absolutely nothing else to say about this because I would need a lot more I just am not the authority on this type of issue, but I did want to highlight it so we can all be aware that these kind of things are still happening. Um, all right. So now that we went over a few kind of sad and somber stories, I wanted to end the episode on some really great news. Uh, so let me go ahead and just open this up real quick. Um, I'm just going to go ahead and read this um, headline from the Daily Breeze. San Pedro's underground skate park gets cash infusion as supporters push to get it reopened. So, of course, this article is um, from the Daily Breeze is talking about Channel Street Skate Park. So I've been kind of following this, you know, um, what like what's going on with Channel Street Skate Park. For those of you who don't know, it's kind of like this uh, DIY skate park that was built by local skaters in the community underneath the overpass of the 110 right on Channel Street. So um, I'm going to go ahead and read to you a little bit more so this is what's really cool about the story let me go ahead and read it to you the years-long effort to reopen san pedro's popular channel street skate park got a boost this week in the form of a cash windfall vans the orange county maker of skateboarding shoes and apparel donated $25,000 to help the park reopen building on momentum from august when supporters received a los angeles buildings permit things are looking good said andy harris of the san pedro skate park association whoa cool i didn't even know there was an association the campaign to reopen the skate park has now raised about $38,000 total, Harris said. They received, for example, more than $3,000 through a GoFundMe page, $2,500 each from the office of Los Angeles City Councilman Joe Buscano and the ILWU Credit Union and $500 from architect builder Sean Marisich. Sorry if I didn't pronounce it right. Harris said... Uh, Harris said would like to raise 50,000 as a benchmark going forward. 
Um, so yeah, that's pretty exciting. This is a really big deal. Um, I mean, the skate park was, uh, shut down because it, it did not, you know, have a building permit. There was a lot of things unsafe about it. And, you know, local skaters were really upset about this issue. And, um, you know, in the meantime, I think a lot of skaters went to Peck Park. Sorry, I'm not a skater. I'm not really in the skating community. So this is just what I'm gathering from like Instagram and from local news stories. So forgive me if I'm getting any of this wrong. But um, I think that skating is kind of a large part of the identity of St. Peter culture. Um, I mean, obviously it's not the whole culture, but when you think of St. Pedro, I mean, you think of, um, you think of these iconic sites that, um, I think ultimately lead you to think about the people who go there and skaters are everywhere in this town. There, um, there's always skaters going up and down, you know, our streets and downtown and by the downtown area, um, especially by Western. So yeah, um, I, I think that San Pedro does, I mean, San Pedro, I think that skating does have a place here. I think that we need to take care of our skaters. And um, I think that it's really awesome news that the uh, Channel Street Skate Park is finally breaking some ground. So it's really encouraging to see that, you know, progress is being made somewhere here in this town. Um, I have another piece of great news and it does involve a local celebrity um let me go ahead and get this up okay so the san diego voice and viewpoint reported um let me just go ahead and read this headline for you breaking barriers in ballet misty copeland set to receive trailblazer award this is on september 6th earlier this week um Determined to shatter the glass ceiling of the ballet world on September 11th, the Congressional Black Caucus will honor Misty Copeland with their esteemed Trailblazer Award during the CBC's annual Celebration of the Arts event, an award that Copeland deemed as not only an honor, but also a necessity. Um, let me go ahead and just read a little bit more. Misty Copeland had the world of ballet standing still when she made history as the first black female principal dancer to the prestigious American Ballet Theater, ABT, in 2015, just months after becoming the first black woman to perform the lead role of Odette in ABT's coveted Black Swan in the winter of 2014. Uh, so this is really awesome news. Um, what an amazing thing to accomplish. Um, we're If you guys don't know about Missy Copeland, can you please just scroll down to episode three, uh, fangirling over Missy Copeland with Megan Barnes. We go over Missy Copeland's full life story. The reason this is a local newsworthy story is because Missy Copeland really was discovered here in San Pedro and she was nurtured by Cindy Bradley, who I've had on the show um, and was really getting her foundation in ballet here in our you know our local ballet school um and it is an awesome accomplishment for her it is a proud day for St. Peter's and um even prouder day for African Americans and people of color um she has broken so many barriers in the world of ballet and is a living, breathing inspiration, um, and 
I just wish her nothing but the best. This was amazing news when I came across it. I was so excited. Um, but yeah, anyways, I think that pretty much wraps up this episode. But real quick before we go, I have an announcement to make at the request of my dad. So my dad is an amazing artist. He just started painting maybe like a couple years ago. Um, I mean, he's always been an artistic person he's been able to you know produce amazing pieces of um I, I mean I, I don't know if I would call it art because he's done he's hand-painted centerpieces before he's hand-painted props for you know local productions he's done a lot of paintings in many senses of the word but for the first time he's actually dabbling in fine art oil on canvas and he has been um, mentored by a local artist named Reno Gonzalez. Um, sadly, his Reno Gonzalez's wife has recently passed, and his students are actually putting on a benefit art show um, to raise money for the Gonzalez family. So on Saturday, September 21st at 3 p.m., they're having an Art from the Heart art show this show is a benefit for reno gonzalez's family and the featuring artwork will be from reno gonzalez roy tabora okay so i'm just going to go ahead and read to you all of the artists that are on this flyer there's not a crazy amount but because it's san pedro you'll probably know um hear a name that you guys know and if you know them then you should go and support them uh so i'm just going to go ahead and read some of these names Roy Tabora, Kathy Killian, Carlos Rodriguez, Sergio Sanchez, Carla Ortega, Karen and Don Johnson, Carlos Torres, Lalo Campos, Mike Chambers, Alan Padilla, David Villa, my dad, Larry Hagan, Chewy Ortega, Loretta McNair, Elizabeth Tambara, Brian Malecki, George Garcia, Andy and Mike Mills, and many more. The original paintings and prints will be for sale. There's a silent painting auction, refreshments, beverages, gift baskets, live music, live music. So this sounds like it's going to be a really wonderful event. Um, I hope that you guys can support. I'll have all the info in the show, um, the show notes. Uh, but let me go ahead and just read to you the address. It's going to be at Gallery Azul, 520 West 8th Street. And um, for more info, you can call 310-519-8231. And uh, you can visit www.galleryazul.com. That's galleryazul.com. Please let me know what you think. Um, if you liked getting a recap of the, the news, um, all these all these stories were from the last two weeks. So, I mean, this is a lot that happened in the last two weeks. We have been making headlines. Um, I, maybe this is something that I can do maybe once a month, maybe every two weeks. Let me know what you think. I want to make this podcast as valuable and as useful as possible to you. Um, so I want to hear from you guys, the listeners. Go ahead and uh, you can respond to this um, episode. You can basically comment on the Instagram um, when I post this episode. And you can also go ahead and email me at hellospodcast at gmail.com. Feel free to reach out um, on the uh, website, hellosanpedro.com. And 
I'm even open to considering hosting, um, co-hosting these episodes with a local president. So if you guys are interested in co-hosting episodes like these, let me know. Uh, I'm going to direct all of you guys to the website, which is hellosanpedro.com. Once again, um, if you scroll to the bottom, you'll see where you'll be able to leave some feedback. You'll be able to um, suggest a guest or a topic or um, yeah, you can even suggest yourself as a guest. So go ahead and check out the website. Let me know what you guys think um, of this episode. Should I do it again? Should I continue to do these things? Uh, Yeah, I'm looking forward to hearing from you guys. If you guys have a little bit of time, I would love a rating and a review in your podcast app. Um, That would be awesome. Anyway, I hope all of you have a wonderful weekend.